Hello, 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 my fact friends and fiends. Welcome, yeah, to another episode of Let's Talk About the Facts. And yes, we will talk about the fact that I have been gone for a hot minute. A very hot minute. I will explain that away now with introducing my guest today, a very new friend of mine, but great friend of mine, Miss Shay Faraday. Take it away. Hello, everybody. My name is Shay Faraday. I am a voice actor and a believer that Megamind is the best movie of all time, and I am very excited to be here right now. Fantastic, because that's not even a hot take. I love that movie. Um, But yeah, Shay and I have been working on a film set, and we have not had the time at all. I haven't even had the time to do my laundry, much less sit down and record an episode. I actually have four researched and ready to go, but when are you going to sit and record? I don't know. It takes less time to record than to do laundry, and I still don't even know what I'm doing. Um, But we've been busy. We have been very busy. We have been very, very busy. Yeah. We made a lot of money, though, so that's nice. Oh, my God. We have been breaking in the dough. Don't don't tell anybody. Yeah, don't tell anyone, even though I put it on a podcast. Uh, But good things, all good things on our side. We are back to business. You can expect some old friends like Nick Ruger to come back. Going to scare Vaughn again. And maybe some new faces to terrify. And Shay was so excited to be terrified today. I'm so fucking excited to be terrified. I'm so excited that I'm in fact drinking out of Pikachu's severed head right now. She's in in the mood. In preparation for the spooky mood. It's the very spooky mood. This and is so inconvenient. How the fuck do you drink it? I don't know, because his ears are, like, in the way. Yeah, everything's, like, in the way. Anyway, <laughs> what are we doing today? You what know, are we doing today, Elizabeth? I actually decided to do one. We're strolling back to uh, kind of a home state, not really a home state. Uh, well, I spent a lot of years in this state. Arkansas, but also Texas. Because I don't know if any of you guys have heard of this cool is not the right word this town that's very interesting called Texarkana and it's in between the border of Texas and Arkansas and there is a Walmart in this town that's on the border and you can stand on the 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 state line right so I think if I remember correctly I have stood between the two states why was that something of note when I was a teenager what, what an achievement I don't know why I cared that much I think it was because there was nothing else to do but a lot of people live on the Texas side and work, like, or I can't remember. They live on, like, the Arkansas side and work on the Texas side for, like, no income tax or something like that. I don't remember how it worked out, but, like, it's cheaper cost of living in Arkansas, but no income tax in Texas, so. Is this the spooky part of the podcast? I mean, it's the sad part. Okay. Yeah. Pathetic, you know, cost of living. Anyway. Scary. Well, I mean... It is the very south of Arkansas, so I'm already terrified. Oh. And then, you know, everything about Texas scares me. Um, or as my niece used to say, scares me. Oh. Is she wrong? No? It's, it's kind of like the equivalent of smexy, right? Where you take a pre-established word and just make it way worse. Actually, she was about four, and if you oh. look at the word, it does look like scares. No way. She's right. She's everyone, right. Everyone else in the world is wrong. But she's she's right. right. And she's honestly, right. I never stopped thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that scares me. Um, so speaking of scares, this used to be a story that they would tell 
upstate in Arkansas. Even scarier. I know, and I loved it. It's about the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Kind of romantic. Dun dun. Wait until you hear. Murder me in the moonlight, baby. Oh oh oh! Find my body in the ditch. (laughs) There's worse ways to go. Um, okay, so let's talk about it. It was a, that term was, uh, coined by the news media, right? It's also the Texarkana Phantom Killer or Phantom Slayer, if you have heard of anything of note of Texarkana. I can't think of anything else that is, uh, you know, noteworthy. And I'm, if there is, I'm a terrible person for making fun of Texarkana in this way, but you know what? At me. I'll take it. And so in Texarkana in the spring of 1946, we are strolling back in time. I can't believe that's like 80 years ago. Yeah. So I remember it like it was yesterday. I don't think my dad was even born. God, that's so sad. But my grandpa was like an adult. Did he get to meet the Moonlight Murders? No, he didn't live in that state. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, no, tragic. God, this is all really scary so far. Yeah, but there was an unidentified serial killer. We're going to call him Phantom Killer. Phantom Killer? Yeah, I like to... Can I call him Danny Phantom, or is that a... (laughs) No, because Danny Phantom was kind of awesome. I was really into Danny Phantom. Yeah, he's kind of hot. Yeah, but I didn't want to say it, but like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I shouldn't imagine Danny Phantom killing all these people. No, because it's about to get sad. Okay. So because this best. guy is uh, credited with attacking eight people within ten weeks, and five of those actually died. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's not a great success rate, but well, that's okay. There's always room for improvement. There. That's the thing. He's never been identified, so we don't know if he improved and just got better away with it. Or if he got incarcerated, or and yes, I'm saying he. I'm sorry. Statistics kind of prove me right. So okay, let's hear some. Let's hear some dirty deeds. We're gonna talk about our first two victims. Um, that was me. Sorry, everyone. Um, it's sorry, about a clicker in the vicinity. Well, yeah, I know. I hate it. There's one episode I have on here. Sorry, every listener, where I clicked a pen. And I didn't know how to get rid how of it. How fucking dare you? Are uh, you serious? Thank you. I know. Really? Should have told them to hold on to their tater tots. That's a show There's joke. still time. There's, There's still, still time. We'll make it work. Um, so February 22nd. Hope that's not your birthday. 1946. It's not. And it's before 1946. Shay. 1946. BS, no. before Shay. No, I was born 2011. So there's BS before Shay. Oh, wait. Yeah, I told her she was born in 2011. Um... Friday, February 22nd, 1946, Jimmy Hollis, age 25, and his girlfriend, Mary Jean Larry. She's 19. It's like your age. It's almost my age. That is scary. They're parked on a secluded road. You know those lover's lanes that of they course. used to have? No, I'm imagining it vividly. Yeah, I never actually had one of those because back in my day... Um, we were scared of serial killers, so that didn't happen. <laughs> this me. is why we were scared of serial yeah. killers. They had been like, you know, they seen a movie together, and then they were like, let's go parking. And I'm like, but haven't you heard of serial killers? And I was like, oh, wait, no. No, the internet didn't exist then. And also, these things hadn't really happened yet. So the area was about 50 feet off of Robinson Road, um, and they're on an unpaved 
they're on an unpaved part of the street, so it's just like a gravel area. So they just turned off to like you know be safe, and we're hanging out. They're about a hundred yards away from a row of city homes, right? This is how close they are to town. That's not that far, like for Arkansas. Um, for us here in Los Angeles, that's like an hour. I don't away. even know where that is. <laughs> yeah, I know it takes you an hour to get anywhere. It took me an hour to get to my front door one day. But that was just me not being able to get out of bed. Um, Everything in LA takes twenty minutes. Said no one. Said said the dad from Clueless. Oh, someone doesn't know their nineties references. No, I was millennial. Re- I was just processing. How did he get there in twenty minutes? I don't know. I feel like nowadays it's thirty. Because you know that that bar is like right over there, or that liquor store is right over there. Mm. That she got held up at. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. Oh my god, that's so scary. <laughs> oh my god. But this dress. Um, both Hollis and Larry. Oh wait, sorry. Got ahead of myself. So they, they're they there for about ten minutes. And a man wearing a white cloth mask. It kind of looked like a pillowcase with eye holes cut out. Not Classic. much effort was made. Yeah, you know what? When you're off to murder... Whatever. I feel like that's, like, most of the fun, though. Like, just theoretically, if I was to be a murderer, I feel like the most fun part of it would be, like, oh, what cool mask am I going to wear? Zodiac style? I personally would go for a bunny mask, like the kind that Ariana Grande wears. You mean bunny man? And cute. Bunny man already exists. Fuck him. Yeah. Fuck, no, what? Fuck him. So, back to pillowcase head. Just eye holes. Probably looks like a Charlie Brown character going trick-or-treating. Of course. And I got a rock. <laughs> anyway, he shows up outside of Hollis's driver's side door and shown a flashlight in the window. And Hollis thinks it's a prank, and he's like, uh, wrong dude, guys, wrong dude. Um, and the man says, I don't want to kill you, so do what I say. Both Hollis and Larry are ordered outside of the driver's side door, right? And the man ordered Hollis to take off his goddamn britches. This is kind of hot. Keep going. It's about to be horrible. Keep going. After he complies, the man struck him in the head twice with a pistol. And uh, for all of you out there who have seen a good pistol whip, and by good, I mean horrible, that's not a good thing to happen to your cranium. Um, Yeah. Anyway, Larry... Remember Larry's a woman, Mary. I'm going to call her Mary because Mary and Larry. And I just want you to remember that Mary, she's a woman. So Mary um, told investigators that the noise was so loud, she had thought that Hollis had been shot. But it was actually a skull fracture. So they thought the assailant wanted to rob them. And Mary went for um, Jimmy Hollis's wallet to prove he had nothing, no money. And then she was struck with a blunt object. The assailant ordered her to stand, and when she did, uh, he told her to run. Initially, she tried to run towards a ditch, but the assailant ordered to run in a different direction up the road. Mary spotted an old car off the road, but found it empty, and again confronted by the attacker, who asked her why she was running. When she responded that he had told her to do so, 
He called her a liar before knocking her down and just sexually assaulting her with the gun of the, the barrel of the gun. Oh. Yep. That's so, my least favorite thing ever. Yep. And For then, all our listeners out there, don't do this. Thank you. Awful, awful thing. So after the assault, Mary fled on foot. Um, I'm not oh, sure, God. like, how the separation happened. And she ran a half mile to the, a nearby house and tried to call for a car passing by um, the residence. And, of course, she's ignored. Mary was able to wake up the residents of the residents of the house and phone the police. At the same like time, back at the original car, uh, Jimmy Hollis regained uh, consciousness and was managed to flag down a passerby on the same road. Um, the motorist left Hollis at the scene and drove by drove to a nearby funeral home where he could call the police. Um, I kind of see why that makes sense because if the attackers already left, no one's going to know where to find him. And like, they're still looking for Mary cause they don't know where she went. Um, so if, he, if he's like, I'm going to go call the police and come right back then, um, cause you know, it's 1946. I think why that makes sense to me. I don't know about you. So it took about 30 minutes. I don't find that to be too bad of a time because it's the Bowie County Sheriff. His name is W.H. Bill Presley. And three other officers arrived to the scene of attack, but of course the assailant had left. They found um, Jimmy Hollis's pants about 100 yards away from the parked car. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. I'm not laughing. But that means he took him with him when he chased after Mary. That's bananas. They were just really cute pants, okay? I He's get it. He's just like, I need these pants. Yeah, I'm like still like, like I know that you, you're talking about what happened after. I'm still way back stuck with the, take off your goddamn britches. Like, what? Yeah. He didn't even do anything. Didn't even like. But not that we know of. Or was reported. He just didn't put that in. Well, that, that does wiki. sound like, you know, 1946, man. Yeah, just uh, take off your pants. Yeah. So Mary, um, she actually was hospitalized overnight for her head wound, and Jimmy Hollis um, was hospitalized for several days to recover from multiple skull fractures, and those are horrific, right? He did survive that attack. So both Hollis and Larry give conflicting reports because they had head wounds, Um. To law enforcement as to what their attacker looked like, Mary claimed the man was wearing a white bag over his head with cutouts for eyes and mouth, and she could see under the mask that he may have been African-American. But Hollis alternately claimed that the man was white and around 30 years old, but conceded he could not distinguish his features because he had been blinded by a flashlight. Um, They both agree to about six feet, and law enforcement repeatedly challenged um, Mary's account and believed that she and Hollis knew the identity of their attacker and were covering for him, which makes no sense considering the damage, right? Yeah, and I lost could, of good pants. Yeah. But also, if you think about it, it's like, you know, it's midnight. And um, if you've been to these rural areas of Arkansas, um, it's darker than 
um, space. It is darker than a well. That's what, it that's what you're going It is so with. dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face sometimes. So if she looked into a bag and saw nothing but, you know, the whites of someone's eyes, I could, I could see that she was like, oh, yeah, it's this person. I don't think she saw anything that was actually evident of his true appearance. Because it doesn't make any sense that he would... Or she would, be especially in the darkness. No, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Of course, of course. Um, and of course, racism would lead yes. her to believe it is oh, rampant in the South still in 1946. Uh, it is so bad. So her first mind would go to the first thing that would uh, scare her. And it's pathetic that that is true, but... I doubt the the claim that it was an African-American male. I do believe it's white male, just statistically. Um, so, 19, March 24th of 1946. So, we're going to look at, that was February 22nd. Now we're going to a month and two days later, okay? okay. We have Richard Griffin. He's 29 years old, and his girlfriend... Uh, Polly Ann Moore, she's 17. Hate that age difference. That's of 12 years. They've been together for about six weeks. And guess what? They were found dead in Griffin's 1941 Oldsmobile. It was a sedan. And it was found... They were found on March 24th um, between 8.30 and 9 a.m. by a passing motorist. So the motorist, of course... I love the word motorist instead of driver. They saw the parked car on a, quote, lover's lane. Um, It was called Rich Road. For those of you who knew Texarkana geography, it is now called South Robinson. It was near near a railroad spur, and that is like a secondary railroad line that branches off into a more important, like, through route. It's a spur. Have you ever wondered why, like, it's like, oh, okay, there's two, like, all of a sudden, and then it just branches off, and you're like, oh, more. Two is always better than one. When you're trying, you're the driver, and you're trying to go over the railroad tracks, and you're like, why are there so many railroad tracks right now? I just want to pass. Is this really the most interesting part about this? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I am a Los Angelino, okay? (laughs) All there is to me is to talk about traffic, the weather... And people I met last weekend (laughs) that I don't like. That's it. Oh, my God. That's the only topics I have for, like, casual conversation. Now, non-casual conversation is different. Uh, Where are we? Oh, okay. Back to my railroad spur. Something, something, something. It was close to a night night spot called Club Dallas, which... Is a strange name, but you know what? We did it, and we went through it. Is it in Dallas? It's in Texarkana. Oh, shit. That's where we've been the whole time. I forgot. Sorry. I'm just imagining that we're in L.A. No. We're in L.A. Uh, Plus, this is where all the cool murders happen. I don't know if you've been to the rest of the country, but it's not true. Really? Really? The best murders happen in, like, the Pacific Northwest. The best murders happen in Texarkana. Well, so far... We haven't even gotten to one. 
I'm trying <laughs> to tell it. There hasn't. Trying to tell there's it. Been no, there's been no murders. There has been one I just back. told you about two people who died. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yeah, oh, and bastards. then you were like, oh, That's railroad right. spurrier. Yeah, you keep drinking so I can keep talking. This sucks. This cup sucks. Who invented this? Target. Looks like... Fuck them. Keep going. <laughs> anyway, so the motorist first... You... Sorry. <laughs> The motorist thought that they were both asleep. Griffin was found between the front seats on his knees with his head resting on his crossed hands and his pockets turned inside out. And then Polly Ann Moore was found sprawled face down in the back seat. I want to know how big this car was. I don't know. I've never seen a 1941 Oldsmobile in real life, but there was... There's evidence, however, to suggest she was killed on a blanket outside the car, then placed there. Weird. Right? Griffin had been shot twice while still in the car, of course, and had been shot once in the back of the head, and they were both fully clothed. A blood-soaked patch of earth, or dirt, as we like to call it in the South, uh, near the car suggested to police that they had been killed outside the car and placed back inside. God, that is so much more extra effort than is needed. Yeah, that's called being a serial killer and needing flair. I feel like it's more flair if you found the dead bodies outside sprawled. Mm. Instead of just sleeping in the back. Well, they're more likely to not get noticed if they were, like, asleep. But congealed blood was found covering the running board, and it had flowed through the bottom of the car door, right? And then they found a thirty-two cartridge shell, and it possibly was shot from a Colt pistol wrapped in a blanket. Right? So there's no reports that indicate either Griffin or Moore were examined by a pathologist. Classic. Um... Local rumor had it that um, Polly Ann had been assaulted, but modern reports refute the claim. In response to the murders, police launched a citywide investigation with the Texas and Arkansas City Police, of course, because it's the same city in two different states. Um, And then the Department of Public Safety. Oh, and then two nearby county sheriff departments and the FBI also got involved at this point. So by March 27th, which is three days later after finding these two dead, and then a month and five days later after the first assaults, but they lived, local police had interviewed about 50 to 60 witnesses, including patrons and employees of Club Dallas. And by March 30th, police had posted a $500 reward in effort to gain any new information on the Griffin and Moore cases that would lead to arrest... That's really not that much money. I mean, which which Allow would you me rather to have? Convert, right? Which would you rather have? Five hundred dollars or like a really good secret? What would you have? And explain. I think a secret is worth more. Why? Because whenever someone like, for instance, like your college RA is like, "Ooh, everyone, let's tell each other a secret," you'll actually have something to say, instead of just, "Oh, um, I have a cousin." Well, which everyone has a cousin. How in today's money, five hundred dollars would be six thousand nine hundred and two dollars and forty-four cents. Okay, you know what? I take back everything I just said. Yeah, me too. I take back what you said. Take back. You take back everything. You take back the whole episode. 
No, never. Hi, everybody. My name is Shay Faraday. I am a voice actor, and my favorite movie is Megamind, and I am so excited to be on this podcast today. What are we talking about today, Elizabeth? We're talking about how you said that you would fuck the bunny man of New Hampshire. Oh, I don't remember that part. Oh, I don't. I'm just going to say. He's from New Hampshire? I think it's somewhere up there. No, that's pretty pretty. I feel like we could get, like, a nice little cabin together. No, he chopped, like, there was a part where he was, like, chopping up a cabin, like, the front of the cabin with a night. You listen to my 10 urban legends. It's in there. I forgot. Hey, guys, I've done a lot of episodes. What if there was only 10 urban legends ever? I only covered 10. That's not possible because we urban legend dies every day. What if there was only no? But what if there were only ten? I started an urban legend on our film set. Ambrose the stand, the <laughs> studio oh, ghost. Oh yeah, you did the studio ghost. Ambrose the studio ghost. Oh, I didn't even get to kiss him before I left. Oh, we, we're gonna go. See we're him going today. tomorrow. I thought we we're going today. Oh, we are going today too. Hi. We gotta go visit Ambrose the studio ghost. Anyway. Poor Brandon. I hope he's okay out there. <laughs> <laughs> We go in there and he's just sprawling and there's a guy with a pillowcase above him. No, Ambrose doesn't wear pillowcases. Oh, he no, just I'm turns on the, the bathroom fan. I'm talking about the pillowcase murder. No, don't do it. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the evening of April 13th. Are you ready? 1946. Yeah, I'm ready. I don't think you are. On the evening I'm ready of Saturday. April 13th. Oh, that is actually really scary because I like to have my Saturdays off. So if I was to get murdered on a Saturday, yeah, sucker. Just fucking suck. Uh, Betty Jo Booker, age 15. Betty Jo Booker. It's good. Name. She was playing her alto saxophone at her <laughs> weekly regular gig oh, with man. her band, Rhythm Airs, at the VFW Club at West Fourth and Oak. And at 1.30 a.m., April 14th. Because you know how time turns over after midnight? Yes. Because like the, the next day. Her friend, Paul Martin, he's 17, okay? Remember, Betty Jo, 15. Paul Martin, 17. These are young buns, okay? Mm-hmm. They are tiny. They are chitlins. They are getting Dead. ready to take over. Well, by now even so, yeah. But anyway, they're getting ready to take over the world with their stuff. Paul Martin, the friend, arrives to pick her up after the performance. Last time they're seen alive. Paul Martin's body, it was found at 6.30 a.m. that morning by Mr. and Mrs. G.H. Weaver and their son. Nothing else to describe there. (laughs) It was lying on its left side. Did you say it? That's how it was... Described. Jesus Christ. But it's the body, not Paul anymore. I know it's Paul. It's not Paul. Paul is in a better place. I don't know about all uh, that. I know you don't know about that because you didn't know Paul, but I knew Paul. You knew Paul. Thank you. <laughs> Glad I could be of assistance. Thank you. Validating my uh, extraterrestrial and Validating your lie. Yeah. Thank you. Fine. I just said it was an alien. You were like, yep. Uh... At the northern edge edge of North Park Road. And blood was found further down on the other side of the road by a fence, right? This poor child had been shot four times. Once through the nose. And then again through the left fourth rib, rib from behind. Then in the right hand. And then the back of the head. Neck. Sorry. 
back of the neck. You know what? I'm just going to say it because no one else will. Overkill. Well, I think the last one was the uh, fatal shot. Everything else you probably could have survived. So it just sounds like somebody was a bad shot. And you know, I've said this time and time again, people are more afraid of knives than guns, right? That is true. Because you have said that. You are going to miss unless you were a pretty good shot, right? Mm. This is kind of a situation where I don't think this uh, homie was a good shot. And then Betty Jo Booker, her body wasn't found until 1130, about two miles away from Paul Martin. And it was behind a tree. She'd been found by the Boyd family with their friend, Ted Sheppy. I knew you were going to laugh. He had joined. What name. What am I well, They had started a search party well, after. I'm, not, I'm allowed to make fun of people's names if they're dead. Technically, right? no, because you don't have a stupid name, but I can make fun of their names. I because... don't have a stupid name. Oh, you do have a much stupid name. Thank you. Sorry. You know what? I'm going to give that to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I was like, if anyone can make fun of names, it's me. Uh, so Ted Schweppy. Or Sheppy. Ted Schneebly. Uh, had joined the search party. She was found, uh, yeah, behind the tree. The body was laying on its back, fully clothed with the right hand in the pocket of the buttoned overcoat. Obviously, been shot twice. Once through the chest, once in the face, and the weapon used at the same time. Point thirty-two, Automatic cold pistol. Bum, bum, bum. I don't know what that means. Same guy. As the previous. <gasps> Whoa, really? I love how that oh, just that dawned at you. Oh, sorry. I was like 100,000 miles away in Tex, Arkansas. <gasps> I forgot. I don't even remember. What's it called again? Texarkana. Tarksark. Texas. No. Keep going. That wasn't. And that. Nope. You don't even get it. You tried. So, his 1946, Paul's 1946 Ford Club Coupe, okay. was then found about three miles away from Betty Jo's body. Okay. And one and a half miles away from Paul's body. How'd it get there? That's, that's pretty far, okay? I'm lazy as hell. I'm not going to walk that far. Um, it was parked outside of Spring Lake Park with the keys still in it. How did no one jack that car? Maybe maybe people were just nicer back then. Maybe no one saw it. Yeah, I know, right? So the authorities were not sure who got shot first, right? So Sheriff Presley and Texas Ranger Captain Manuel Gonzayas. Gonzayas. I just realized I'd never seen this version of this name before, and I'm loving it. It looks like Gonzayas. Oh, you're right. I'm like, why is she pronouncing Gonzalez wrong? It's not Gonzalez. It's, it's, it's not. Gonzalez. It is Gon... Con... It's Gonzalez. It is Gonzalez. That's a badass last name, and that I love it. That is a badass last name. Uh, they said that the examinations of the body indicated that they both had put up a, quote, terrific struggle. I use that word to describe that. Yeah, I don't know. Man, this, man this, this crime scene is fucking awesome. Oh, I mean, it's terrific if, struggle. If you think about the word terrific, though, it's like, root word is terrify. I don't have anything funny to say to that. Yeah, I know. I You're just, just right. It's just, yeah. love being right. Anyway, so Martin's friend Tom Al Britton um, said he didn't believe any 
an argument had happened between the victims and Martin didn't have any enemies. And I'm like, that you fucking knew of, dude. I have so many enemies. And do you know who they are? Um, I know one of them. I was like, I pissed off like one baker once because I was like, How the fuck do you piss off a baker? Because my pie was burnt. And he was so mad. I was like, hey, can I just get this replaced? Because the bottom is, is burnt. Pie? It's my favorite thing. What kind of pie? Pumpkin. Oh, you're right. That's the best kind. But you can't burn it on the bottom because then the, the shit's spoiled. Well, you just scoop it out. You don't. You but don't I paid actually, for you don't it. You eat the pie part. You just eat inside. Yeah, it's but like then a... it burnt the pumpkin. That does suck. So I was like, can I just get an exchange? And he was mad. He was like, you say my pie no good? And I was like, yeah. You say it, my pie no good? It was a, this really good Russian bakery. You over, say my pie no good? You say I, my pie no good? Sorry, I just like the way that you said that. I thought thank it was you. funny. This is a really good Russian bakery that I really love to go to, and now I think he hates me. I also think it's a front for the mob, so I'm also like, I will never go there again. God, I so badly want to open a store that's a front. That's good. See, that's good stuff. Usually, they're always just fronts for mobs or porn studios. Oh, you're right. Keep going. Just because I have a podcast doesn't mean I know everything. That can't be right. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the final crimes. So Virgil Starks, he was 37. Hmm. He was a farmer and a welder. He had a modest ranch-style house and about a 500-acre farm. That's fucking huge. 500 acres? Yeah, I think he's overcompensating for something. No, I think it was just land. Far as the eye can see. It's May 3rd, sometime before 9 p.m. He's 37. He turns on his favorite weekly radio station and his wife, Katie, 36. Appropriate age gap, you know, not that 12 one. She gives him a heating pad for his sore back. That's what the 30s are like. I'm just saying. When you're 30, your back always hurts. And he sat in his armchair in the sitting room, which is just the living room that you sit in. And which was, you know, it's just off the kitchen and bedroom. And Katie was in her bedroom, lying in the bed in her nightgown. And she hears something from the backyard. And she's like, Virgil, turn down that radio. Seconds later, Virgil, while reading... May 3rd edition of Texarkana Gazette. Two shots are fired. (laughs) Into adding to it. Into the back of his head. From a closed double window three feet away. Katie didn't hear the gunshots. She said she heard what sounded like the breaking of glass. She thought Virgil dropped something and went in to see what happened. As she entered the doorway in the living room, she saw Virgil stand up and then suddenly slump back into his chair. She saw the blood and then ran to him and lifted his head. When she realized he was dead, she ran to the phone to call the police. Well, that was her first mistake right there. Is it? It's 1946. Back when police were good? They've never been good. Is that what you're implying? No. I'm just saying. Yeah, I guess there's something better than that. She rang the wall crank phone two times before being shot in the face from the same window. Oh, God. So one bullet... we didn't live in the 40s and we didn't have to use a fucking hand crank to call the police. (laughs) Wee-woo, (laughs) wee-woo. 
One bullet entered her right cheek and exited behind her left ear. Woof! Me, no, I was just pointing to where it would go. And go. Bam. <laughs> the other went in just below her lip, breaking her jaw, and splintering out several several teeth oh. before lodging under her tongue. Ah. She soon dropped to her knees but managed to make it back to her feet. Oh my oh my god, so she's still alive. Oh, she's still alive, and she goes and gets her pistol. What the f- Really? This Katie, headshots? Katie Starks was pissed that her husband just got killed. Katie Starks is a fucking badass. She goes in. I give her a she's pop. blinded by her own blood. She hears this wow. killer tearing loose the rusted screen wire on the back porch. I mean, just as she thought she was going to be killed, she stumbles toward her bedroom near the front of the house to leave a note. While, meanwhile, the killer ran to the back of the house and made his way up the stairs and into the side screen porch through the back door screen, then into the living room and out the front door, leaving behind a virtual river of blood and teeth throughout the house and across the street. A socially distanced line of blood and trail of teeth. Well, that was uh, Katie, right? Yeah. The killer. (laughs) I'm making sure I did this right. No, you did it right. Katie's the one who ran out, right? Yeah. And the killer is like in the house. So she's barefoot and she's still in the nightgown. She ran across the street to her sister and brother-in-law's house. No one was home. And she ran 50 yards additional (laughs) to A.V. Prater's house. And Prater answered her call for help. She gasped, Virgil's dead, then collapsed. Prater shot a rifle into the air to summon another neighbor. This man's name was Elmer Taylor. Remember when people were named Elmer? It was so cute. It's, it's a good name. It's like they're trying to say Elma from Sesame Street, but they got like an accent. It was the other way Elmer. around. Elmer. Huh? It's the other way around. Pretty sure they got Elmo from Elmer. Elmo. Elmer. I'm going to let I'm you I'm going to keep my out. way. I'm going to keep it my way. I mean, if you you keep it your way, just remember you're wrong. Okay, thank you. I'll do that. Okay. Prater called to Taylor to bring his car because the Starks had been shot. And Taylor, along with the Praters and their babers, rode with the Starks to Michael Meager Hospital. It's now the Miller County Health Unit. And Mrs. Starks, a.k.a. Katie... The legend gave Taylor, the driver, one of her teeth with a gold filling. That's money. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. Hey, thanks, dude. Did she really do that? Tits the driver. That's so awesome. Uh, She's like, I ain't got nothing but tits in this, and here you go. She was semi-conscious. That should be a movie scene. (laughs) I'm serious. Like, we should film that. Like, maybe we should. That's our rap party. Got, We're putting this together. You got money for that, darling? No, I'm thinking she's yeah. just tipping her driver. This is the fucking two. Um, although she lost a considerable amount of blood, <laughs> yeah. she actually didn't have any signs of going into shock, so that's good for her. <gasps> she's everything I want to be. You know? When I grow up. When I'm... When I'm tw- I, you know what? When I'm 18, I hope to be as cool as she. Don't look at me like that. She's 37. 36. I mean, when I'm 18, I hope to be as cool as her. I don't know you. Anyway. She she really doesn't. The news printed on the front page the next morning. Um, 
Murder Rock City again. Farmer slain, wife wounded. It's like more like wife nailed it, farmer died. Four days later, Sheriff Davis talked with Katie again because he first questioned her in the operating room. What's she going to say? She busy. She had a bullet in her tongue. And is she going to write on a whiteboard? I mean, she did discount a circulating rumor that Virgil had heard a car outside their home several nights in a row and feared had a fear of being killed because that's not what happened, right? So, of course... But somebody claimed that it did happen. They, like, had this rumor, right? It was kind of weird. Um, but then why would they mention it if it wasn't true? Drama. Why do people falsely Is confess? Is murder not drama enough? No. Why do people falsely confess to shit God, they didn't murder's do? murder's so fucking boring. Let's lie about it, too. Um, so, of course, the police start, you know, getting involved. One of the officers said that they found uh, Virgil still slumped in the blood-soaked chair and that the chair had caught fire from the heating pad and there was smoke in the room and other officers said that they found the chair on fire but Starks had already fallen to the floor so his body was not burned so there was conflicting reports there. Captain Gonzales and other... He's back! Um, other Texas Rangers said that, um, this virtual river of blood, it's, it's beyond them why she didn't bleed to death. Uh, there were only two bullet holes in the window leading Sheriff Davis to believe an automatic rifle was used. Um, investigators declared that after the killer shot Virgil, he patiently waited outside to shoot Katie. There were three clues found at the scene. First was the caliber caliber, caliber of bullets. The second was a flashlight found in the hedge underneath the window that Virgil was shot from. And the last clue was bloody prints all in the house, shoe prints on the kitchen floor, and smudge fingerprints in other places. Sheriff Davis stated that although the murder could not be directly linked with the phantom, because the, the caliber was point twenty. So, wait, wait, wait. At what point did they start calling them the Phantom? This uh, is the first time that we've heard that term since the beginning. No, I said the, after the murders, the first murders. Did they? So they referred to him as the Phantom Because, like, at that point. the assault and the murders kind of felt loosely connected. And so they're like, ooh, it's the Phantom. Oh, we have to come up with a cool name. Hold up. I, I mean, love that. They're like, we can't solve it. But we can Well, give the media cool came up with name. it. Not the, the police. Danny Phantom. D- gonna part, catch him all because he's part, Danny Phantom. Part kid, part ghost. More like part rapey white guy, part what? ghost. What? What? He's Danny Phantom. Well, Can't you're no, anybody. you're the one who said Danny Phantom. I said bad choice, but move on. Oh. And you went back. Yeah, sorry. I'm sticking with Danny Phantom. Anyway, so the reward fund for Virgil okay. went up to seven thousand dollars. Oh, in that money, and if five hundred dollars was six thousand for us, do that that's mental like, math. That's like a hundred billion dollars. That's a lot. Yeah, I'm not gonna even try to set you right. There was a mobile radio station being sent from Austin, Texas, to Texarkana. 
It was one of the best in the country, and it would be followed, accompanied by a fleet of prowl cars furnished with, with two-way radio equipment, which would allow officers to converse not only with headquarters, but between the cars as well. That was the first, as this was rolling out, like, could you imagine if police cars couldn't talk to each other? What would be the point? It's just guys driving around going, hey, hey, you stop that. You stop that crime. Right? That's it. I have to know what this picture is. That's is it the like a flashlight. can of tube socks? Oh. No, that's the flashlight that was dropped outside of uh, the Stark's house. And they put up a poster of it. Like, have you seen this flashlight? <laughs> like. Wow. It was very specific, though. Like, it wasn't a, like a regular by the hardware flashlight. It was a specific one. Did fingerprinting exist at this time? Oh, hell no. Yeah, I was going to say, like. Well, I mean, yes, but no. Why not? Why not just do a process that has yet to be invented for another fifty years? No, it's. A, I mean, they did have fingerprint analysis, but I mean, it was flawed because it was. It repl- hey, there's fingerprints on this. Yeah, but That's it, interesting. it relied on like what they already had and someone to one to one match it. You need like, you know. Yeah. Let's let's do a fingerprint test. Are there fingerprints on this? Yes or no? Okay. And then they That's had a teletype machine from Austin, which was would aid the investigation by connecting them with other law enforcement offices in Texas. And so the two sheriffs suggested raising the reward fund of to 2500 for information that would help catch the killer. The mention that if the slayer of, of Virgil Starks, right, was the same killer responsible for the other murders, then the Starks reward would be combined with all of the other rewards, equating to a sum of $10,000. So I know you're going to think, do you think the Texarkana Phantom was involved? What do you think so far? Oh, you're asking me. Of course, um, that is your question. God, do I? I mean, the biggest discrepancy for me is that it's an entirely different gun. Well, it's and an automatic have, rifle. You can only have one gun at a time, as everyone knows. But so. it's a rifle, and that's not... And that's different from a pistol, so obviously it would be a different caliber bullet. I mean, the biggest discrepancy is that there is... What's the motive for any of it? I'm still stuck on the pants. I'm still, like, way back, like a hundred thousand years ago. I'm still back on why did he ask him to take off his goddamn pants. Like, hold your tongue, man. Like, it's the 40s. You don't need to use that language. But, like... Unlike today, where we do. Unlike today. Um, oh my God, that's so much money. Yeah, so in today's God, money, $10,000 is $138,048.72. God, you can do so much with 72 cents, dude. I could. I could get a chicken nugget. No, you can't. Do you think you can? You, can you go to McDonald's and get a single chicken nugget? I don't. Well, no, I was just talking about like maybe one Probably with 72 cents. Um, Sorry, I am just so in the no, that's, space right now. That's the thing, though, is that there is no motive for any of it. By May 19th, rumors were being spread. Many people believed that the Slayer had been caught. Some believed that he was being held at the county jail, surrounded by rangers. Others believed he fled to an out-of-town jail. Wait, was flown. I can't read. And then others had decided to take it upon themselves to call local newspapers and find out for themselves. And there was long distance inquiring about the apprehension of said killer. Newspapers will tell public if killer is caught, read one of the sublines of the May 19th edition of the Texarkana Gazette. 
Sheriff Presley declared that innocent people were being accused of being the phantom, or were they innocent, and asked her residents to show some more consideration for their fellow citizens. Little did they know, what, 80 years later? That would just fly out the window. Anyway, the police did what they could to squash rumors. Uh, Presley stated, We believe that people have the right to know if the killer is caught or killed, and we pledge ourselves to let the public know or have this information. But they didn't have the information because guess what? This dude was never found. Why didn't he use the pillowcase again? Maybe he realized it was kind of stupid. Maybe he did, but the people died. So, the unknown killer did not acquire a nickname until after... Um, oh, yeah, sorry. It was after the death of Betty Joe and Paul Martin, right? So, the April 16th edition of the Texarkana Daily News had a heading that read, Phantom Killer Eludes Officers as Investigation of Slayings Pressed. The front page story... Was continued on page two with the title Phantom Slayer Eludes Police. The Texarkana Gazette contained a small title on April 17th that says Phantom Slayer Still at Large as Probe Continues. Phantom Slayer Still has a Big Dick. Amen. Um, the first victims of the attack, Jimmy Hollis and Mary Jean Larry, were the only victims to give the description of the attacker. Uh, the only people who lived, right? Yeah, they're the yeah. only ones who lived. He was just practicing. The only other surviving victim was Katie Starks, and she never saw the assailant. She's awesome. Yes. What's she doing now? Probably dead. Before that. I don't know. I hope she just has the... I hope she had the best life after all that. I hope... Well, she probably had some mourning to do. she was just like a rich pimp. <laughs> you know? But That's because... Hollis and Mary were the only ones survivors to give a description and cannot be known if the killer wore a mask during the other activities. Uh, the MO established for the killer is that he attacked young couples in empty or private areas just outside city limits using a .32 caliber gun. Although the caliber used in the Starks murder was a .22, a .32 was still believed by the majority of lawmen to be used by the Phantom. He always attacked on the weekend, usually three weeks apart, and always late at night. So there was a profile put together. They originally believed, like, uh, Texas Ranger Captain Gonzales stated that... He's back. He's always back. I feel like... He never left It us. should be a scene in, in like, a Disney Channel Original? show. No, a Disney Channel TV show where it's, like, a crossover episode, and it's, like... Like, he bumps into him, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And he turns around, and it's like, oh, sorry about that. And everyone claps and cheers, and it's like, Officer Gonzuez! He's the main character in Sweet Life of Zack and Cody! That would have been such a good show. Right? It had been. But he stated, in our crossover episode, okay. that he and his officers were dealing with a shrewd criminal who had left no stone unturned to conceal his identity and activities. But I feel like he made sure no stone went turned to conceal it. Okay. Yeah, you know. Sure. They were buried. We'll go with that. And the murderer's efforts were both clever and baffling. Oh, the May 5th, 1946 edition of the Texarkana Gazette read... Sex maniac hunted and murderers. See? He's sexy. That is not what I said. 
That didn't happen. What I just said, you didn't hear it. I'm gonna going to put it in. Uh, officers have said that the killer is apparently... Wait, wait, wait. Go back. Let's start over. Sex maniac? Because he assaulted. That was, But that was the one. That we know of. So we don't know if that he did that again. That's the thing. I'm still confused. He's... Because they all pattern. died and they apparently... Like, is he doing this... Because he's into putting guns we don't in chicks? Know. Is he into this because he needs new pants? We don't know. Is he know. doing this because he's jelly and he sees couples on the street and he goes, nyum, nyum, I'm going to kill them tonight. I don't know. Okay. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Anthony LaPaya, a psychologist at the Federal Correction Institution in Texarkana, believed the killer was planning to continue to make unexpected attacks such as that of Virgil Starks on the outskirts of town. He also believed that the same person committed the murder of Virgil Starks, Betty Jo Booker, Paul Martin, Polly Ann Moore, and Richard Griffin. Further, he believed the killer's age was somewhere between his mid-30s and 50. He said that the killer was apparently motivated by a strong sex drive and sadism. Why doesn't he just have sex? Because probably no one would... You don't understand the motivations of serial killers. Yeah, I don't. Somehow, I, I hope that's not a detriment to me. I mean, I wouldn't think so, but also, you haven't been down the hole yeah. of true crime yet. Yeah. Anyway, he said that in many cases, this killer was never apprehended, and in some instances, he would divert attention to other distant communities where it is believed the crimes are committed by different individuals, or he would overcome the desire to kill... And or assault people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lapaya said that the murderer is probably not a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. And he can lead a normal life, appearing to be a good citizen. It also He also said that the uh, killer probably is not a veteran, because if he had served, served in the armed forces for even a year, the maniacal tendencies would have been apparent. He also was what? not a resident of the area, despite the knowledge of it. If He's, he was evil, we we would know. We would just know. Don't worry about it. But a year, well, it's kind of yeah. In the in the military, it's a little different. Do they think that every serial killer is like like it, like it's in an anime where they explicitly look okay, like they're so evil because they're off, like his rubbing use, their hands together? His use of maniacal is the adjective of maniac, as in in the form of mania. He's using it in a diagnostic term. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the say like the sadistic part of him would, would not come, have been able, yeah, to have been which concealed. makes sense if you're in the army and he and would have been monitored for people. a year. Yes, that's that's what he's saying. Like if you're in the if you're in the military, you're monitored constantly. Okay. Um, God, what a fun job! Are we veterans? And I don't know. No, I would not blast. They say that. Um, the strengthening of the police force would not scare the killer away, but he would willingly leave due to the difficulty of committing a crime. This man is extremely dangerous. He works alone and no one knows what he is doing because he tells no one. And that actually... He's so mysterious and hard to get. No, that's a really big thing because like, most killers have to tell someone what they've done. Yeah. And that's a hard way to catch them. So, yeah. There were some suspects there was none in the original attack where our two lovers jimmy hollis and mary larry 
there was no one apprehended, right? But okay. in overall, the Phantom Killer, almost 400 suspects had been arrested, right? Okay. With the murders of Griffin and Moore, there were over 200 persons questioned. And there were so many false tips um, that were checked. Uh, there were three suspects taken to custody for bloody clothing. And uh, there, all of them had been cleared of suspicion. In the case of Paul Martin and Betty Joe Booker, was that? Yeah. A taxi driver quickly became a major suspect because his cab had been seen in the vicinity of the crime scene that morning. Ooh. But the, the driver was soon washed out, um, as in okay. tossed. Cut, if you will, from Yes. Um, basically, they, there was a ton of investigation into like where they were and still nobody has been um nobody had been um like found to be suspicious that hadn't been checked and checked and checked and double checked and everyone had been eliminated and then in the Starks case several people found in the vicinity of the crime Seen were stopped and questioned, 12 were detained, and nine were released. Uh, the final three were kept for a while, but then they were released as well. What? Yeah, I mean, like, there is a whole process. Like, you can't be held for a certain amount of time unless they have solid evidence. So, do you think they're excited when they got a call back for serial killer? No! They're probably like, I didn't do it. So, prime suspect. Max Tackett, who was a 33 at the time, okay. who was a 33-year-old Arkansas State Police rookie officer, realized that a car had been stolen the night of one of the murders, right? And a stolen, previously stolen car had been found abandoned. So on Friday, June 28th, Tackett found a car sitting in a parking lot, and it had been reported stolen. He staked out the car until someone came back to it, then arrested a 21-year-old woman, Peg, Peggy Swinney. She said she had just gotten married it's in Shreveport. never Shre- anyone named Peggy. Never. Oh. It's never been. Just hold. She had just gotten married in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is literally a sneeze away, and that her husband was currently in Atlanta, Texas, trying to, st- trying to sell, guess what, another stolen car. Homer Carter, the chief of police in Atlanta, told Tackett that the man had tried selling a stolen car to one of the citizens, and Tackett asked the citizen if he would recognize the suspect, but the man said that he would not. Tackett noticed that the citizen had distinct had a distinct appearance, which included a cowboy hat and boots. In Texas? That's no not way. an appearance. That's clothing. Yeah, but... They what if he t- took off his cowboy hat? Oh, dude, have you seen the Phantom Killer anywhere? No, uh, no, no, the guy sold him a car. Way. Every person who sells someone a car has a cowboy hat on. I don't I don't know. make the rules. That's just what happens. But maybe they were red. Red cowboy boots. Yeah. Do you like how I met your mother? Yeah. I also have no a cowboy. No can fill, baby doll. I'm just... We're not sponsored, by the way, by a show that ended, like, five years ago. I also have... I'm just a new boot goofing. New boot goofing? <laughs> yeah. Tackett told the citizen he wouldn't recognize him, but he would recognize you. Tackett then asked said citizen if he would be willing to walk with him into several public places. He had the idea that the suspect would not want the citizen to see the citizen and would try to avoid him. 
So on a Saturday in July, Tackett walked into the Arkansas Motor Coach bus station. I don't know what that is. But uh, Tackett saw a man run out the back building. Tackett chased after him and caught him on the fire escape. And that man was Ewell Swinney. What? Ewell Swinney? Yeah. So soon after the arrest, he reportedly made what might have been an incredible may might have been incriminating statements about being a murderer such as a fear of being sentenced sentenced to the electric chair oh i think anyone would be afraid of that though yeah if someone went up to you and was not like, for hey, a stolen car would you be afraid of being in the electric chair and you said yes i would be afraid of being in the yeah, electric but, chair oh okay that's important we're gonna write that down put that on the wikipedia article the point he's saying later. is 80 and the point he's saying is, I don't want to be sentenced to the electric chair, but the only thing that like he's being brought in on is being uh, stealing oh, cars and stealing. I see. So yeah, why would he? That's have not that a fear if he only stole cars. Yeah. Gotcha. So police questions when his wife Peggy. She confessed in a great deal that he was the phantom killer. <gasps> the UL. Yeah. UL. That was the last person I would have expected because he was the last person to be introduced. <laughs> Um, that he killed Betty Jo and Paul Martin. Her story changed in some detail across several com- confessions and conversations. Police believe she was withholding facts due to her fear of Ewell Swinning or incriminating herself. Um, so here's the circumstantial evidence. The car Peggy Swinney was arrested for stealing was the one reported missing on the night of the Moore Griffin murders. Okay, that's bad. Tackett caught Ewell Swinney in the fire escape. Swinney said, please don't shoot me. And Tackett replied, I'm not going to shoot you for stealing cars. And Swinney replied, Mr. Don't Play Games With Me. You want Uh, me for more than stealing cars? Oh, well, there you go. Fucking idiot. Just say, I "I don't, excuse me, sir. Or just laugh. You know when you hear something, but you don't really hear what they're saying. and just go, (laughs) yeah. I know, right? You could have just done that. It's incriminating himself. They haven't invented that yet. Yeah. That move yet. When Ewell was in the police car, he asked Chief Deputy Tillman Johnson, Mr. Johnson, what do you think they'll do with me for this? Will they give me the chair? Johnson responded, you won't get much, maybe five or ten years. They don't give you the electric chair for stealing cars. Um, Swinney then said, Mr. Johnson, you got me for more than stealing cars. When a lawyer told Peggy that her husband was being held for murder, she exclaimed, how did they find it out? See, they're so bad. Right? Peggy took officers to the spot where Paul Martin's car was found. She said that she walked into the woods there. The uh, officers found a woman's heel print in the area. Peggy's family and Ewell's brother-in-law believe Ewell was the phantom. Police found a khaki work shirt in the suspect's room with a laundry mark of the word Stark, which was read under a black light. In the front pocket of the work shirt, Slag was found, which matched the samples in Virgil's... Virgil's slag? Slag is the glass-like product byproduct after um, a desired metal has been separated from its raw ore. Forbidden smoothie. But um, it matched samples in Virgil Stark's welding shop. Mm. Ewell Swinney previously owned a thirty-two caliber Colt, but had sold it in a craps game. That's dice. Thank you. Yeah. I knew you were giving me that look like craps. And while being accused of murder, Swinney remained remained silent instead of pleading his innocence. 
Peggy Swinney confessed her husband's actions, actions, revealing very detailed information, including some information officers already knew and some they did not. Yule's fingerprints did not match any of the latent prints at the Booker Martin uh, crime scene, though. Oh. Complication number one. Okay. Peggy Swinney recanted her confession. The Texas Rangers and Bill Presley were not convinced that Swinney was the Phantom. Swinney denied being a, the Phantom and never made a confession. Officers, including Bowie County Sheriff Presley and everybody else, um, worked night and day for six months trying to validate Peggy Swinney's story and her husband's whereabouts. They deduced Peggy was not telling the truth. And on the night of the Booker and Martin murders, the couple was sleeping in their car under a bridge near San Antonio. Unknown to either, unknown as either a sick prank or a true confession, an anonymous woman contacted family members of the two victims, one in 1999 and another in 2000, apologizing for what her father had done. Yule Swinney was not known to ever have a daughter. What? So who is this girl? We have no idea. So they, they never tracked down who sent the letter? Mm-mm. That's spooky. Yeah. Spooky dookie. That's like the closest thing we have to an actual answer of who is the phantom killer. I wonder if they collected any sort of DNA or still have those. Of course they do. They just didn't. No, they may not have collected DNA. And so we can't do genealogical testing on it like they did for the Golden State Killer and go backwards. Dun, dun, dun. So. Can we do that again? Dun, dun, dun. Need a harmony in there. There we go. It adds to the spookiness of it. If it's like, I feel like things are scarier when they're well planned out first. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, messy killers are like. No. You don't know what I mean. I like to think that people killing at random is scarier because then you never know when they're going to get you. You didn't spook me then. Oh, right. I know. I'm going to do it later. That's right. That's, see, that's what I mean, is that if you had done it and gone, okay, Shay, here's what's about to happen. At 6.43, I am going to scare you. Like, that is, like, that's really scary. No, because then you're just going to wait for 6.43 and be like, uh... That's what I don't understand. So there was clearly that pattern. Or was there a pattern? Was this guy just going, you know, guns akimbo and like, oh, I see a car. What's up, suckers? Ba-boom. And then he got, like, some sort of sexual satisfaction from it? Is Maybe. Or, or he also said sadism. Maybe. Or was it, like, sent to throw the investigation off? What about the pants? I know. What I'm going to name this episode what? subtitle, What About the Pants? What about the pants? Maybe he liked the pants. He just wanted to know where he got them from and Maybe. looked at the tag and, and threw like, them this over. This is convenient that I'm also a serial killer. <laughs> they won't argue when I want their pants. That's true. A man won't run butt naked. I'm just trying to make sense of everything. You know, I'm taking all the information we have and then I'm putting it together in my brain. Well, the answer and then is I'm saying Dutkin Donuts. We don't know who the Phantom Killer is. We don't. I think that, I mean, I think the ugh, those letters, man. Why didn't they just DNA test them? Because at that point, we had we had the technology to fingerprint it. I mean, but they're like, it's just an envelope. We'll just throw it away. Like, no, no, no. I don't think it was a letter like that, though. I thought it was. I thought she sent, yeah, she sent, like, a letter apologizing for what her 
parents did or dad did or whatever. It's always a dad. If you have a dad, I'm sorry. No, she just contacted them. It just said contacted. So it could have been a telephone. An anonymous woman. See, she did it twice, though. Yeah, I know. Just because you wow. do things twice doesn't mean you're not still lying. If I'm lying, I'm crying. Um, that's that's so interesting. That is really interesting to me. I wish we had more details about that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious about which which victims they were. I'm curious about what she sounded like, how she said it. They like, there's no. That's yeah. the most interesting part. Because part and of me like, thinks yeah, it, just it wasn't just one person. It was. I think it was multiple people who wanted to kill copycats. random couples. Copycats are so wild get it i feel like if you're going to be a serial killer like or, then, or an artist of any kind if you will i feel like you want to kind of do things your own way make a make a stand yeah. why would you want a copycat like it's it's not it's benefiting so, anyone except that person no it benefits you you know it's so common to have a copycat I don't so it. i'm thinking it's a copycat but that's my hot take but, you know... I guess you're right. I mean, I'd technically be a copycat if I went with my bunny mask plan. Yeah, I know. But then we could be, like, a cute, matching, like, serial killer couple. And then there you go. This is how serial killers get fans. Bunny man, if you're out there, I'm sending you smooches and a I hope you're in prison. And this has been another episode of Let's Talk About the Facts. Thank you so much for has- having me, Elizabeth. It's been... A very spooky blast. I'm a little disappointed that Danny Phantom was never mentioned once. I was really holding out for that. You mean you mentioned him? (laughs) And as she said, I am Elizabeth Fury, your host. And this was Shay Faraday. You can find me on Instagram at at ShayFG. That's spelled S-H-E-A-F-G. Thank you. (laughs) And you can find us at talk about facts that's t-a-l-k-f-a-c-t wait i fucked it up (laughs) it's t-a-l-k a-b-t f-a-c-t-f on both instagram and twitter these are the jokes folks you know local jokes i'll keep you updated on shay's relationship with bunny man have a great night